there is a chemical structure. We need to know the exact chemical structure, the exact <coughs> sequence of the RNAs and the DNAs in these vaccines. Right. Okay? They are being withheld from us. FDA needs to show us what those structures are. It needs to explain what the pseudouridine is doing. You need, they, they need to explain this paper from Sahin, who is the, who is the founder of BioNTech in, in 2000. 19, excuse me, 2014, they talk about non-natural nucleosides. What are those non-natural nucleosides doing? He talks about the toxicity of them, the pseudouridine. None of that is being discussed. So, None of that. So, so I, I, I want to clarify a little bit I agree there. with you. Okay. We need a lot more information. I want to clarify because people have said this are mRNA vaccines. MRNA only always goes to protein, and we can't do anything. First, we know that people have re reverse transcriptase. Yes, it can make DNA. Yes, it can go back into the DNA. But there's something else about RNA. RNA can make little hairpin loops. RNA can regulate your DNA. So when you put an mRNA vaccine or RNA into your body, it can get in, and it can be alternately spliced, it can bind to your DNA, and it can regulate it for positive or for negative. It can change your gene expression, and there's stuff in there that can do that either intentionally or unintentionally, and we don't know. It's completely unethical because we are just beginning to understand MR, the RNA silencing where these RNA molecules regulate our DNA. So that makes it completely we, we, unethical to use this technology. We, we have to get on to, uh, there are great unknowns with respect to the vaccines, uh, their mechanism of action, and uh, disease categories like cancer, uh, but there is a disease category upon which the FDA, the CDC, to handle these FOIA requests, and you know they have to make a lot of photocopies of okay. these documents. So, so again, now they it's going to take us years. Now a judge has ordered the release, not at 500 pages, eight months, month, but 55. Yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll get that sooner. I did. Again, we're running out of time. I did want to talk about some of the other. Revelations. Uh, you mentioned FOIA. The, the FOIA under for Japanese regulators showed that this vaccine's not staying in the muscle, as we were kind of all Correct. led to believe it would happen. It it's actually animal studies from. It's by distributing. Yeah. We know the nanolipid particle, um, and it also goes through some of these very difficult permeable barriers. For example, the brain. Or yeah, okay, so, I'll, I'll, so, I want to ask Dr. Malone that question because I've like worked with lipid nanoparticles for chemotherapy. They are like garlic. They go everywhere. They can, you know, they, need, they can slip through a door crack. They go through very tight junctions. That's what they do. That's why when I first saw the technology, I knew it was going to end up in the brain because that's one of the things they were doing was trying to find lipid nanoparticles to carry chemotherapy. Talk about agents. the concern about it getting into the brain. <laughs> well, the con well, that was the actual original design for lipid nanoparticles to be used in chemotherapy because in order to direct chemotherapy to the brain, it's very difficult. So they were going to use lipid nanoparticles to do it. The problem was the lipid nanoparticles went into ovaries, bone marrow, adrenal glands, and other tissues. So it's still being worked on. Studies are still being done. But I was going to ask Dr. Malone, because um, uh, Dr. McCullough had just talked about the fact that he has concerns. Do you have concerns for this vaccine in children, knowing that it's going in the brain, the bone marrow, the adrenals, and all these other organs? So the answer is yes. I've said that repeatedly. I've uh, put out a four-minute clip in which I talk about the damage and risk to children in brain, heart, coagulopathy, reproductive systems, and immune systems. Um, that resulted in, in direct attack from the Israeli Ministry of Health on my personal reputation, um, multiple fact-checkers denying it, but the data are incontrovertible. But to your point, Richard, um, and Jill and I can attest. You know, 
I do have some credibility here because I did create this technology. I do no in detail. <laughs> but, 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 I, I can speak. But you, but you don't work for the CDC, NIH, or <laughs> FDA. No, um, no. I, I actually work for the DoD um, from time to time. Um, so I do know about the untranslated regions, why they're there. I do understand explicitly in detail about reverse transcriptase and what it can do, etc. But I can tell you that we moved off of trying to develop further these mRNA and DNA complexes um, based on our work in non-human primates and in mice. We spent years uh, with both commercial funding and various public funding, not NIH, trying to advance this technology. Many, many different catenic lipid formulations, compounds tested, screened for toxicity. We could never overcome the hyperinflammatory characteristics of these uh, polynucleotide lip catenic lipid complexes. We could never get there. Now, the Carrico and Weissman assertion, and it's, you know, it's inside baseball. Um, I, I brought Katie Carrico into this like a decade before, after I'd made the basic discoveries. They assert that the inclusion of the pseudouridine reduces the inflammatory response. But the, the data show that that is a marginal decrease. And the data also show from their competitor, it's important to remember that they are BioNTech. Katie's a vice president. Um, so their competitor in Germany has shown very good res immune response without the pseudouridine. So you're right, pseudouridine is a synthetic compound. The logic is that incorporation of pseudouridine reduces the inflammatory response, but the inflammatory response is still there. And to your point, Richard, we are clearly seeing not only um, specific effects associated with spike protein, but nonspecific effects associated with lipo-nanocomplexes. How do we know that? Because Moderna, um, gave us a presentation to their stockholders recently where they rolled out their phase one data on their influenza vaccine candidates that are using the same technology platform. So no spike protein associated influenza antigens. And in their hands at the 100 microgram dose, which is the dose that's used in the um, um, emergency use authorized vaccines, 90% of the subjects had adverse events compared to 30% in the placebo group. This is phase one data. Now that data has not been disclosed publicly. It was only disclosed to their stockholders. But what it clearly demonstrates is that the catenic lipid RNA complexes have intrinsic toxicity above and beyond just that associated with the spike. So when we get into these arguments about is it spike, is it the lipids, blah, 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 it's both, okay? We, we have a tendency to get binary. It's either this or that. No, it can be both. Regarding the um, uh, the data package from Japan that Byron Bridal first acquired, and then I think I was the first after that. People often get confused about this, but Senator, this is the thing that worries me among the most, is that that limited data that was not produced to any quality standard that any clinical trial, you know, precursor, non-clinical data package I've ever seen would be allowed to be used. What, what the FDA and the regulatory authorities all over the world allowed was for Pfizer to collect data involving um, unrelated RNAs, other candidates, amalgamate it together, and submit it as a package. 
And in those data, which are not according to good laboratory practices, they did demonstrate that these lipid nanoparticles go all over the body, just as Richard is saying. And oddly, they seem to differentially go to ovaries and bone marrow, but ovaries relative to testes. And it's important everybody kind of latches onto this and they say, oh, there's spike protein in the ovaries. No, that's not what they measured. They didn't ever measure spike protein. What they measured was the lipid component, these synthetic lipids, which is the other thing you didn't mention in this cocktail, okay? These synthetic lipids go to ovaries. Now, who cares? Well, when your child is born, when your daughter is born, she has all the eggs she's ever going to have in her ovaries. And we do know that, and the CDC now finally acknowledges, after women all over the world complaining about their alterated, altered menses and getting, I mean, it was, a, it was I felt like I was in the mid, mid 20th century. It was attributed to hysteria, much as your own story. These alterations in menstruation were, were, were believed to represent hysterical women. The CDC is now acknowledging it. The thing is that the ovary um, drives menstruation, as Ryan will, I'm sure, attest. Hormonally, the ovary drives menstruation. When we're seeing alterated, altered and menstrual cycles, we're seeing the, the phenomena of postmenopausal women starting to bleed. That's a hallmark that something's going on in the ovaries. And we know that these lipids are going to the ovaries. We know that these are synthetic abnormal fats that insert into membranes and change the charge of cell surfaces. That's all true. So all we have is this trail of breadcrumbs. And unfortunately, apparently, the FDA made a determination that they would treat these products using their standard checklist approach for a standard vaccine. And they did not use the checklist that they would use for gene therapy. And furthermore, they didn't make any special accommodation for the novel nature of this technology, which has not been previously characterized. And so what we end up with is the FDA making a decision to move forward with a data package that's grossly inadequate, that doesn't meet any standards at all, that are the norms in my industry that I've been trained on, and that is overlooking known problems, and then when patients are coming, women in particular, and complaining about these reproductive effects, they're, they're, being, um, they're being subjected to the same kind of character assassination and ridicule that we all get routinely from our friends uh, Mark Zuckerberg at all. Um, so, uh, so, Senator, I do, in terms of the pediatric, as, as somebody who is intimately familiar with this technology, I'm, I'm not too worried about the untranslated regions, but that's a formal possibility, and it absolutely should have been investigated. And the FDA has been grossly derelict in not following through on these things. But, but beyond that, we have a clear trail of breadcrumbs about reproductive toxicity that's not being followed up. And I am concerned about our children. I'm concerned about all of those effects. Brain, heart, blood coagulation, reproductive system, immunologic system, and furthermore, they're not at risk for this virus. Why are we doing this? 
in, in mandating these vaccines for children just breaks my heart. Okay. Well, we, 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 we really need to wrap up. Um, Senator, if I, I can no, get an opportunity. I'm, I'm going to get to you. Um, 